Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. One of the things that I noticed that some entrepreneurs do is they take their phones or laptops to coffee shops and they ask somebody to use the computer, use the phone, use their software, and they want to watch what happens. They want to see where people get stuck, where they get confused. The problem with that is that it's kind of artificial. You know, you take your laptop over to a stranger who just wanted to have a cup of coffee, even if you give them 25 bucks or buy them a cup of coffee, you're not really getting a real genuine experience from somebody who really genuinely cares about your, your product. You're getting a random stranger who's trying to be nice, who's going to try to do what they can to help you, help you out. Well, Matt Arbersfeld discovered that there's a better way to understand what people are doing on your site, to see where they're stuck, to see where they're not getting it, to see where they're angry and to find problems and bugs so you can fix them. He created LogRocket. It basically, it's, I've heard it described as a DVR. Does anyone use a DVR? Who's describing it as a DVR? <laughs> TiVo, TiVo for TiVo. you. Yeah. It basically records what's going on on your user's screen while they're using your site so that you could reproduce bugs and you can fix issues faster. Um, we could talk about how he built this company thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first will host your website, right? It's killer. It's called HostGator. And the second, if you're hiring a developer, you got to go to TopTal first. Matt, good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. Thanks for having me on, Andrew. Sure. And I'll talk about the sponsors later. I got to ask you about RageClick first. What's a RageClick? Yeah, I think we've all had that experience, you know, where uh, on our app, trying to buy a burrito, something like that, and you click checkout and it doesn't work. So you try again doesn't work. You try three more times, you're like, oh, it's screw this. I'm just going to move on. So that's, that's a rage click. I think we've all had that experience, both as the a user of software and also, you know, the developer on the other end. And so if I had a website where somebody rage clicked and I wasn't using LogRocket, I would just assume that they hit my site, decided not to order and moved on. But with LogRocket, I could see click, 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 click. Boom, gone. And that is an identification mark of, of someone who's trying to buy and getting stumped by something. And that's what you could help me uncover. Exactly. And then, you know, even if you're the developer, dig deeper into what caused a rage click. Was it mm. something slow? Was it an error? Was it, were they just confused and clicking on a banner that didn't work? I used to have software like that on Mixergy because I wanted to see where people, what people were trying to do, what they clicked, where they got stuck. The thing was great, but man, it just slowed down the site. It hardly ever worked and it wasn't worth the trouble. And then I also sometimes felt a little bit weird looking over people's shoulder. But this thing had been created before, but no one's ever made it work, right? Yeah. And you know, we started coming about five years ago where we saw more and more application development going to the front end of the, of the app. So if you think of software you use every day, you know, to, to check out from a store, so much more is happening in that software. So we really saw as more software moves to the end user's device, how can you better know what's going on there? And that kind of, this was a new need in the market, um, you know, versus maybe nine, 10 years ago where it wasn't as important. What's your revenue now? So can't share that Andrew, but I can share we're over 1500 customers now at this point. Can you say whether it's over a million, over 5 million, over 20 million? Um, can't, can't share that, but definitely, um, you know, growing really well as a business and, um, you know, excited to build one of the next great Boston companies here. 
sometimes I envy Ari, our producer, because our producers always get more info out of the guests than I do. I'm looking here. She, you clearly you gave it to her, but I was we, prepared, we told you yeah. that we wouldn't yeah. reveal it unless you felt comfortable saying it within the interview. It's, it's doing well. Uh, how old's the company now? So we're about five years old and um, you're about three and a half years now in the market. You're a guy who said that you came up with this because you had a problem. You were, what was it that you were sending your CEO? Yeah, so I was actually an intern at a company out in San Francisco, and I was in charge of building the sign-up flow for this application. And when you're a startup, every single user is super valuable. So if you lose any of them, you're really disappointed and sad. And my CEO would sometimes get emails from our customers saying, hey, I tried to sign up. It didn't work. You know, and she'd get a screenshot of that error message and send it to me. And I was a developer, I had no idea what happened. And it's the worst feeling to know, you know, you caused this person to struggle and it's probably going to happen again and you can't figure out what, what went wrong. And you said, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. Exactly. And you're someone who's created startups all along, right? What's the earliest little company that you can remember creating? <sighs> yeah, um, I, I think it was sophomore year of high school uh, or college. Um, we created a, a mobile game was actually the first what company. Was so we, it was called Marble Drop. Um, so it, it, basically it was a game where you could drop marbles and you had to get a certain pattern. Um, and we ended up launching it, got a few million downloads of it, but realized games are not the most lucrative uh, way to build a business. So we, yeah, we had an ads in there? We were trying everything, yeah, ads, in-app in purchases. Um, you know, it's, it's challenging. Um, so... You know, millions and millions of users, but I think we netted you know, maybe $5,000 wow. at the end of that. I'd even go back before that. One of the things that I heard was in the third grade, you looked at the classroom and you saw a problem. You said, I think I could, I could solve it and monetize it. What was the problem? Yeah, that's true. Um, so my co-founder, Ben, and I, we were in, in class together. And I don't know if these still exist, but back then you had these desks that would sort of flip up and you'd put all your books under that flip desk. But the problem is you'd have, you know, your water bottle or your lunch and it would, when you flip the desk, the water would fall off the, the ends. So we invented a contraption that would basically a duct tape device that would stick on top of the desk. So when you lifted it, the water would just stay in place. So we would come after school, install it, you know, ask kids for their lunch in return. Um, and that was wow. sort of the start to uh, Ben and I's uh, entrepreneurial. Pursuits. You sold it for lunch. You didn't ask them for money. Um, we, we tried money at first, but I think, you know, uh, lunch was a, a more, uh, liquid medium for, <laughs> for students back then. I'm trying to get a sense of what you were like back then at your essence. Were you somebody who was into creativity, into sales, into making stuff at your essence? What do you think you are? Yeah, I think we're builder, you know, we were builders, yeah. you know, we would build, um, contraptions in our, in our basements, um, you know, we made like devices in, in high school. So we, we just love to build and create and, and bring new things to life from, from nothing. What's, what are some of the things that you can think of that you made? I've got a friend, by the way, he's in finance, doing killer well. If you ask him about anything that he loves to do, he doesn't talk about his work. He wants to just build. Apparently one summer or a few summers, he was in construction and most people would hate it and say, I never want to go back. I want to be in finance, wear a suit and so on. No, he just keeps fantasizing about going back. He's building a barn, building this, wow. that. Yeah, just like for fun. 
because that's the thing he loves. You can't help but make it. it. Seems like you've got a little bit of that in you too, huh? Yeah, I, I don't know if I could build a barn or I, I wouldn't trust any of the animals to survive in that barn. But um, yeah, we, we built a machine that could recycle paper. So you'd put used paper in and sort of it spit out clean, new usable paper. Um, built something that would automatically tune your guitar so you could kind of put it on the head of the guitar and it would automatically oh, really? tune. Um, those were just high, you know, high school projects. Um, okay. You know, and then I think we realized like software is really where you can, you know, it took us you know, years to build those and it was still sort of hacky prototypes, but software we realized was the place you could create so much with just from, you know, your basements or your dorm room. So that's kind of how we got into software, just seeing how quickly you could build. What's App Hub or what was it? Yeah, so App Hub was our, you know, our first sort of software pursuit where um, for any, any entrepreneurs that are building mobile apps, they know the struggle of you have a new version of your app, you want to get to your users, and it will sometimes take a week, two weeks for Apple to approve that change to go out to the App Store. So we built a way that immediately once you had that change, you could push it to your users so that any bug fixes or, or new features you could get out immediately. So that was our first kind of predecessor to LogRocket. Um, and did and Apple really, allow you, you to know, do that? Did they allow developers to do that? They don't want to be circumvented. Yeah, so it was a gray area, and that was part of sort of our hesitation to really grow that business. Um, so we got it to, you know, I can share the revenue of that, I think five, 6,000 MRR, but we didn't really see a long-term strategy of how are we going to avoid Apple just shutting us down one day and, and bringing that revenue to zero. So that's when we sort of decided to look around and, and how we came up with LogRocket ultimately. And why did you take that internship job? What were you trying to get out of it? Yeah. Um, you know, I think this is true of any job. It's really a learning experience. So, you know, in that case, it was a, a Y Combinator back company, um, you know, was doing really well, felt like it was a place I could learn a lot and, and grow. And, um, you know, that was kind of where I learned, you know, how do you do marketing? How do you, how do you sell um, sort of some of those, you know, more business side where my prior job experiences had been more development focused. Was this Meteor, the one that Y Combinator um, and Andreessen Horowitz backed? So I was at Meteor and that's kind of where I learned about this front end developer space. And then I was at a company called Clara Labs, also a YC backed company that built kind of this AI assistance mm. to you. Um, and uh, you know, that ultimately that was the experience that had inspired us to build LogRocket. All right. Um, let me take a moment to talk about my first sponsor. Then I want to come back in and say, you had this idea. The first thing you did, was it build? Was it get customers? What did you do? Um, but quickly, I'll say that um, Mixergy is hosted on HostGator. If you're out there and you want your website hosted right, do what I did. Go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. When you do, you're going to get their lowest hosting package. I host on WordPress because it's just phenomenal and I could move it if I wanted to. But they're there are dozens of different uh, free hosting platforms that you can use with HostGator. Bring your website to HostGator like I did or start fresh. Go to HostGator.com slash Mixergy and you'll get their lowest possible price. Really good price, great service, HostGator.com slash Mixergy. What's the first step you took? Yeah, a lot of talking to each other, uh, me, uh, my co-founder and I. Um, and you know, I think a lot of people will say, go talk to users, get feedback. We definitely did that, but I think it's 
most of the time when you have an idea and you go talk to people, they're going to question you about it and be skeptical. And that's ultimately, everyone was really skeptical about LogRocket and every other idea we had. So we decided we just have to build it. We have to put it on the marketplace and see what people think. And that really led us well, because as you're building LogRocket, everyone would question us, you know, say, oh, what about X? People did Y before, but, you know, until you actually ship it, you know, you'd be questioned. Because you were, it feels like you were a little bit scarred by an experience you had before where you were starting to build something before, before LogRocket and you took it to an investor or maybe a series of investors and, and they turned you down. Am I right? What was going on? Yeah. So we, we started with App Hub, which was um, that idea that circumvented the App Store. And mm-hmm. as we were pivoting around, we would have all these various ideas that we'd bring uh, you know, to our investors, to various people that would get shot down. Um, like one was this kind of low code platform that we were, we were ideating on. Um, and we realized we just didn't have conviction in any of those ideas. But in every idea you go, most people won't like that idea. So you end up kind of in this negative feedback loop where you're questioning yourself. You know, at some point we said, we know we had this pain point. You know, we know if I had this pain point years ago, there must be a hundred other developers who care yeah. about this. So we just said, we're going to build it. We're going to ignore <laughs> all the noise, you know, and just go out. And we, we post on Hacker News actually. And, you know, I remember I was out for dinner with my, with my partner and I was not a very um, involved participant in that dinner. You know, I was just checking, checking my phone, responding to all the messages, trying to fix bugs, you know, from my phone. But, that's really where we were like, okay, we but have you didn't even here. do that uh, hacker news post until after you had your your first version set up. Yeah, we were probably six nine months into building it, and um, you know, we we wanted to be close enough that we we weren't going to build up a huge email list and then have to wait a year before giving it to people. So we were probably two to three months out from launch at that point. And you know what? So let me just go back to these investor conversations that you had before. It seems like one at least of those ideas that you took to the investors made a lot of sense. You want to do front end, no code development. Today, no code is huge, right? Yeah, it is. I see the smile on your face. You knew it ahead of time, but at the time it felt ridiculous. You can't build anything of substance with no code. And so you brought it to investors. They turned you down. And maybe your mistake, you took back from that, that your mistake was you should have just built it without letting them get in your head, right? And that's what kept you from, from doing the same thing. Partially, but you know, also we ourselves weren't convicted in it. And I think it's, it takes years and years, even LogRocket, it took us two years of building it to really get it off the ground. And the only way we were able to persevere through that is because we ourselves really believed in the idea and what we were building. So you know, I don't know if the lesson is, yeah, we should have kept persevering. That would have been great as well. But I think what we learned is we really had to care and know deeply that this idea was important to be able to be confident to go through those years and years of, um, you know, kind of the dark ages, I call them. Okay. So you started to build it because you knew that you needed it. And then you took it to Hacker News. The first thing that you did on Hacker News didn't actually blow up and give you that great experience at dinner time. No, before that, months before that, you posted it on Hacker News and you got it flagged and then it was killed on Hacker News. Yes, right? that's true. Yes. Yeah, that's because true. <laughs> what happened was, yeah. I saw it. Yeah. What happened was yeah. you were taking people to, I guess, a GitHub page where you said it's not ready, but here's what I got. And people on Hacker News said, well, what are you showing us? You're, you're sending us to this thing that doesn't exist. And it's worse than doesn't exist. You weren't even collecting contact information to tell them what it was, right? And on Hacker News, they don't want either of those things. 
Yeah, that's true. I, I forgot about that. But we, we tried to put a, a GitHub even before the, the marketing page, but that, that went south. It didn't work. And then the other thing that happened was it looks like a few people came in and said, well, there's stuff that already does this a little bit. Like I see uh, the co-founder of Session Stack came in and said, well, no, this is not the same thing. But he said, I got something. And it looks like what they do is different from what you do, right? Even though I guess there's some overlap. Yeah. And I think that's another learning is in every space, you're going to have competitors. Um, I think it's really hard to find pure sort of greenfield type problems these days. So there were definitely some you know, areas of overlap with competitors in our space. But this didn't, didn't put you off because you were already building. And I'm guessing that because you were already building, you said, I'm going to get to, you guys will see, this will work. And sure enough, a few months later, you came back, you said, here, this works. And you actually called the post. Uh, no, you didn't actually. I thought it was like, here we go again. But no, this time you actually posted it and the results were, were positive. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of that's luck. A lot of it's, you know, the what, the Hacker News algorithm kind of going in our favor that particular day. Yeah, right. You never know. There's no big news story. People are not angry about something. So they're open to hearing from a new developer. Um, what did what did you do in the meantime? Were you talking at all to, to customers? Were you were you testing it out on friend sites? Anything like that? I think my day would usually go, I'd wake up at probably 11 a.m., you know, code for nine, 10 hours straight. Then I was living with my co-founders, so we'd make Blue Apron together, some, some form of dinner. <laughs> um, uh-huh. You know, then probably talk, commiserate for a few hours, and then go to bed. So that was kind of the, the cycle. You know? No money coming in. Um, yeah, no, no money coming in. I mean, we, for, for some of that, we were in school, so we were kind of, you know, just students. Um, and then we actually raised some money before we built Blog Rocket. So we had raised $700,000. How? Um, so we, yeah. How? You so didn't we, have anything. we actually raised them. We had App Hub, basically. That's what let us raise our first round is sort of like, we proved, hey, we can build a SaaS business. Um, you know, we didn't necessarily think we could take that to be a, you know, a multi-million dollar company, but we had that. So investors sort of saw saw that and, and gave us that small investment. So it wasn't that they were investing in that, in that, they were investing in the duo that created that. They said, if you could get around Apple's uh, blocks and their screening process, we think you could do something that works. We believe that's what it was? Um, you know, I think we had some sort of continuations off of App Hub that we had plans to build. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, largely it also was, you know, investing in us as people and sort of believing that we come up with the next thing. How about this? I see an article from 2016 about six local college students. This is uh, from a Boston Business Journal. Six local college students are dropping out of school for a Teal Fellowship. Did that help at all? Oh, yeah, that's true as well. So the Teal Fellowship was some, uh, some amount of um, income as well as we were building this. But what Was um, it $100,000 for you or 100 for each of you? That was a hundred thousand for me. I think over two years, okay. it was, if, I, if I remember correctly. Did they do anything else? Because I see a few other people in here where you got each of you had a company, and I think at the time you had App Hub. What what else did they give you beyond money to quit school? Yeah, really. I'd say the biggest thing was a the community there. Um, yeah, I'd say two or three times a year we'd all get together, and you know, it's kind of this when you're 20 years old and you're trying to build a company and you don't have any traction, it can be a very 
dark place. So mm-hmm. just was a good place to to get to know other people and sort of talk about your experience. I think we once visited Peter Thiel's empty home in Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> Within uh, there? Which was, which was interest, interesting. Um, you know, never, ne- I've never met him, but um, saw, you know, how he lives, which is very... Uh, how did, so they just took you in to see how he lives, not to meet the man. What did you notice there? What was interesting about how he lived? He loves chess. That's okay. clear. A lot of chess boards. Um, you know, obviously beautiful LA home in the hills and... Um, uh, and tons of like, I think he always has support staff there. Even if he's not actually in the home, there's always people there sort of maintaining the house and uh-huh. keeping it. So I just ne- I never see how people live like that. But it was. Did he light you up? I, I should say Peter Thiel was an early investor or, or a co creator of PayPal, early investor in Facebook and a bunch of other companies. Um, was there anything else that you got? Were you inspired by being in there and said, I think I can do this too. I think if I work hard, if I sacrifice 10 hours a day to whatever it is that I want and I deal with people putting me down on Hacker News, I think I could get someplace like this. Yeah, you know, I think obviously Peter Thiel is not as much of a supported person, you know, in the the current environment. But, you know, back then, I, I, really his perspective was you don't need to go to college to be able to build a great business. You can learn that through trial and error. And I really believe that. I believe that to this day of like, mm-hmm. Um, one of our core values here at Logger is thinking from first principles. So really thinking about what problem you're trying to solve, getting to the root of that and, and, and focusing on solving that. You know, I don't think you necessarily need a college education to be able to do that. So that's really kind of what inspired him to start the fellowship. And I think, you know, gave us confidence that we built to build a business despite our age. And he didn't even take equity in, in Teal Fellows. He just gave you money, gave you credibility. Yep. I think you even put it on your LinkedIn profile. And it's one of those things that people, when they introduce me to somebody who's a Teal Fellow, they make sure to tell me in a whisper, he's a Teal Fellow too. Take this guy <laughs> seriously, right? Peter Teal yeah. just vetted you. So I, I get all the, uh, the benefits that you get from being associated with him. You're now going back in and building your software you launch it and it wasn't until you launched that you knew that people wanted it. It wasn't until that Hacker News post. You know, and at the Hacker News post, you see people sign up and express interest and raise their hand, but it's, it's one thing to put your email in a box to say I'm interested. It's another thing to actually sign up, put it on your site and ultimately pay us. So I'd say we didn't really know that people wanted this until you know, we got that first customer. You told our producer it took you what months, four months or so to, to get out some of the major bugs? What was the challenge in building um, LogRocket? Yeah, I, I think you probably had this experience. Maybe it was a different, one of, you know, different product, but we would have people put it on their site because it's basically LogRocket is a piece of code that you put on your website or web app. Mm-hmm. So they put it on the site, they'd release it to users, and I'd get a call or an email chat, you know, an email intercom to say, Hey, my site's broken. What what's happening here? So, you know, then we were just frantically trying to figure out what went wrong. You know, fix that the problem with our script. So it took us months and months of that kind of troubleshooting. I remember, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes driving to people's offices to kind of apologize in person for crashing their sites. Um, so that that was the first few months, and then eventually it got to the point where it was pretty stable and performance and um, uh, you're right. I remember the first customer, they just signed up on their own. They put in their credit card. We didn't even know who they were. And that was an amazing experience to see that happen. The first customer, you you didn't know who they were. 
we didn't know who they were. You know, mm-hmm. we just saw um, we have a Slack channel called Cash Money that uh-huh. we had hooked up, hooked up to Stripe, and we just shocked like we, no one was doing anything in there besides all of our test accounts. And then one day we just saw forty nine dollars a month, and we we just went crazy. That was a, <laughs> a great a great moment. I picture you also using LogRocket to watch people signing up to LogRocket. You were. Oh yes, yeah. So we would often go in, and you know, with LogRocket, you can say, "Show me everyone who's been on our plans page." So I'd every every day, you know, like YouTube, you go in there and you watch every video of people doing that. You'd see people hovering over that "Buy Now" button and then click it, and maybe not put in their credit card. So that's super refreshing when you're just screaming at them, "Just buy it!" And then one day, you know, <laughs> and it, did you it learn happened. anything about yeah. why they weren't buying it? So. I believe the first person they actually tried to buy and we had an error and they oh. went away. So that, that was the first experience. Um, but definitely, you know, when you're first starting a product, especially I would watch every single person signing up because you want to see, you know, where do they go first? Are they running into a problem? Um, you know, are they confused by something? Are they stuck somewhere? So I, I would, you know, I was just addicted to watching the sessions in, in the beginning, especially. Somebody asked you when you finally launched on Hacker News, looks good, but how did you get AOL, NBC, et cetera, to use your product? Because I think you had their logos on your landing page. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get them? Were they using your product? I think at the beginning, we would maybe, if they put in their email to sign up, we were a bit more liberal with the the logos we put on. Um, You know, nowadays, those are real customers. But I think at the beginning, we were a bit more liberal with our definition of a customer. And I think maybe you would have considered somebody who was using App Hub a customer of yours. And so yes. you technically got them as a customer. Uh, you know what I've been noticing? A lot of landing pages that say customer, like whatever it is that the service that you're doing is that you're offering is being used by customers like this. So it's like join at, uh, join other companies that care about their analytics like these or Lots of companies care about what their customers do, including these. And then they have the logos just enough to say these customers believe in our philosophy and our methodology. They just happen not to be using our software. Mm, but right, I, get, right. I get how people are doing that in the beginning. All right. Um, you started getting real customers. My guess is, though, that a lot of customers would sign up, get insight into what they're working on, and then cancel. Isn't that one of the challenges with a business like yours that people only care about these things when they make big changes? Yeah, that was a fear that we had originally. And I'd say there's definitely a segment of customers where that's the case. You know, maybe they launch something and then it goes six to nine months before they change. But I'd say the vast majority of our customers, they have a whole team of front end engineers or multiple product teams that are constantly making changes, you know, releasing multiple times a day. So we end up not seeing that that much. And then, you know, we adjust our pricing, especially for larger customers. So it's annual pricing, you commit to the year. So that's not, it's not been as much of a problem as we, you know, feared at first. And then watching each video is really fun at first, but at some point it becomes tedious to see the same thing over and over. What are you doing about aggregating data? Yeah, so I think that's what's super exciting about, you know, our space and what we're building is, for some of our customers, we have millions and millions of these sessions. So how do you bubble up the most important facts? You know, maybe it's at 100 people rage clicked on this button and it affected your conversion rate negatively. Or, mm. um, you know, 200 people went to this page and spent less than 30 seconds. 
So I think there's a lot of really interesting insights that we're starting to be able to bubble up to users, whether you're a developer who cares about performance and errors, or a designer who cares about usability, or a product manager who cares about features. There's a lot of really interesting insights that we can surface for all various folks. Can you think of something that you did at LogRocket based on watching people using LogRocket's website? I mean, so so much. Like every every feature we're in there and, and watching people. Um, yeah, you know, it's I've, a recent experience that was, um, you know, feels minor, but now at our scale where you have thousands of people signing up every month, we had a button as you're signing up that you click sort of go to next step as you're signing up. And for some set of users, after you click that button, it would take five, six seconds to bring you to the next page. And so our software was able to show people where it was super slow for, to get to the next step converted at a lower rate. So we were able to make that step much faster and it helps you know, increase our conversion rate. And that's really only something that you can detect at larger volume. But that was like one of the really interesting recent experiences we had. All right. My second sponsor is a company called TopTal for hiring developers. You're a developer yourself. You've hired developers. What advice would you give somebody for hiring developers? The number one thing is a good technical interview. Um, so work with an engineer, you know, and do a technical question. Um, mm -hmm. And um, you mean even you, what yeah. you're doing is you're bringing somebody who you know from outside the company and saying, I trust your understanding of what we're trying to do. Sit in with me on some of these interviews and they will sit in with you. For sure, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, definitely. If you're not an engineer and you're hiring engineers, definitely have a, an engineer talk to the people and run a technical screen. Even um, if you're an engineer, apparently what you want is somebody who's knowledgeable enough in what you're trying to build to sit down and, and give you insight into the person. Am I right? Have you done that too? As an engineer, have you, is there someone you count on? Um, oh, as an engineer. Um, so my co-founder and I are both engineers. So I think we sort of felt, but we, you know, we've made higher mistakes in the beginning um, for sure. Um, but yeah, definitely even it's, it never hurts to have more perspectives. Um, and we asked, you know, a lot of different technical problems in the beginning, you know, three, four, it would sometimes be like five hour interviews yeah. to, to hire the first few engineers. And, you know, that's how we, you know, I think ended up with such a great team, which is everything, especially in the early days. One of the things that I know about the way the top towel works is that they actually have somebody come in and do the interviews with each person. In addition to like you do five hours, they do even longer tests because they, they want to have a screening process that's so good that developers are proud just to get through the process. I was talking to an entrepreneur. I said, you've raised money, you're building this company, but you're still working at TopTal as a developer through TopTal getting placed. He says, not really. We're still in the network, but I'm not, my co-founder and I are not taking on any more TopTal work. We're trying to stay focused on this. I said, why do you have TopTal on your, on your LinkedIn? Do you forget? He said, no, other developers will see that we're in the TopTal network, that we, that we do work for TopTal, and then they're more likely to want to work with us because they understand the caliber of people who are in TopTal. Anyway, so oh, that's what we're talking yeah. about, right? Straight up, you should hire the next them Google. Too. The next Google. 
Yeah, they have former Google engineers who don't want to work at Google working at TopTal. Anyone who's listening to me who wants to try them out, I urge you to not start off by hiring from TopTal. Start off with a conversation with one of the people at TopTal. That's top, by the way, is in top of your head. Tal is in talent. When you go to toptal.com slash Mixergy, they will give you 80 hours of developer credit in addition to a no-risk trial period. And that's after you just have a conversation and see if it's a good fit and talk to them and and then talk to the people who they think would be a good fit for you. And then if you like it, you get those 80 hours in addition to a no risk trial period, go get the details by going to toptal.com slash M-I-X-E-R-G-Y toptal.com slash Mixergy. I'm so grateful to them for sponsoring me for years and years. All right. um, Any issues with privacy, by the way? Like, isn't it weird that you're watching people use your site? I know it's, you can't tell who they are, right? It's at, at yeah, that, you know, privacy. Oh, sorry, Andrew. Um, yeah, I mean, privacy is super important to, to what we do. And we take, we take that responsibility very seriously because we're capturing literally what the user is seeing, where they're clicking, you know, often associated with identifying information. So um, we, first of all, offer a bunch of controls that let users block data that's sensitive, say credit cards, social security numbers. Um, And then another really unique thing that we do is actually let you bring all that data into your own cloud infrastructure. So you can run your own version of BlogRocket such that we don't have access to any of that data. Mm. It's all just running like another database in your own servers. I saw that on, uh, I think on your pricing page where you, you made clear that we could have you host it or we could host it ourselves. Yep, for sure. And I think that's a big trend in all the software is Google and Amazon and Microsoft, you're sending all your data there anyway. So why not put more of that infrastructure instead of relying on third parties? So something that we've definitely leaned into from the beginning and has worked out really well for us. I'm surprised I haven't seen that. I haven't seen, um, I, I feel like for a long time, there was this option of copying software, essentially putting it on your servers, making sure that you own the whole thing, like the opposite of software as a service, right? Software that you still pay for, but yeah, monthly, but you're keeping it and hosting it and will maintain it. And I just don't see that much of that. You're seeing that you're seeing it as a trend, huh? Yeah. I mean, you know, when we first did it, we were like, this is just going to be big banks and super old school companies. But, um, you know, some of the most modern, like fast growing startups opt for that solution because of privacy and security, GDPR, CCPA. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you see that with like GitHub Enterprise, GitLab. Now there are a bunch of startups competing with like segment.com that does self-hosted or with analytics products that do self-hosted. So I think we're going to start to see, you know, where it was once on-prem, now it's SaaS. I think we start to see a shift again back to on-prem self-hosted software. Right. Well, looking at your pricing, I feel like we should be using it. Thousand sessions for free. So it feels like a no brainer. Just put it up on the site, see what we see, decide if we'd want to continue with it. And frankly, with a thousand sessions of just watching what people are doing on the site, I can learn a lot. Right? Yeah. And yeah, maybe uh, if you need to go beyond that, maybe we can talk about a discount, Andrew. Yeah, this is, this is something that I just was really excited about when I launched Mixergy. And then I used that software. It was such a pain in the butt. It was not working. I blame myself, but ultimately whether it's me or them, it didn't matter. I just got rid of it. And truthfully, now that I think back on it and see what happened to that company, it's them. It was a company. I think it was, was it Clicktail? And then Clicktail ended up trying to do a bunch of other stuff or something. I don't remember. Do you know Clicktail? Yep. Yeah. Clicktail. I think they may have been acquired. It's 
it's like content square, challenging software. Yeah, it's like content squared. It, it's a very difficult software build. Um, you know, that's what we were doing the first year is just perfecting that algorithm to capture the experience, show it correctly, make it not slow down people's sites. It's it's challenging, and I you know leaned a lot on my. I was once the, an engineer on the Google team and Google Chrome team, and that's mm -hmm. what you know used a lot of that experience to to build the first version of the software. So now how are you getting your customers? The first batch came from those early Hacker News posts. Where are you getting them today? What's working for you? Yep, so our blog is a, you know, now the LogRocket blog is um, a great resource for front-end engineers. So we post, I think now, 100 art articles a month um, on that blog, so a big operation there. Um, you know, we used to do trade shows, obviously not as, um, uh, not as popular these days to do mm -hmm. trade shows. Um, and then, um, we actually just, we just launched our first podcast. Um, I think today, actually our first episode of our podcast that my co-founder is running. So what's the um, podcast about? It's about front end engineering. So sort of like mm -hmm. this, we're interviewing front end engineers, um, and how they, you know, design their, uh, you know, what they're building. So, um, you know, we're experimenting with that and we'll see how that goes. And, um, but, uh, yep. You know, I feel like what you do really well with is marketers. Marketers can just go and install software quickly. They're building landing pages all the time. They're always curious about what's working, what's not. They're investing tons of money in advertising. And so, if you can show them whether the pages that they're sending traffic to are working or not and where they're failing, I feel like you'd have an easy win for them. And God knows they've got the wallet to be able to do it. But you're not courting them, right? You're going after developers. We are. You know, and I, I always think of this billboard I saw in San Francisco driving to the airport from Twilio, which was ask you a developer. You know, and I right. think that's the, that's the story for us of, yes, marketers care about conversion rate and how people are using the site. but you know, who do you go to when you say, I want to do X, Y, Z, you ask a good developer. So I feel like they're doing that. By the way, those ads are phenomenal. They're, they have some yes, that, yeah. that get talked about so much of some that are just so old now because the sun's beating down on them and the colors off and they still work. <laughs> they still work. But I, I, um, I feel like they have to do that. Developers are just, they have not a big, I guess for bug, for finding bugs, they want to use log rocket to find it. But man, marketers have the budget. They have the willingness to try lots of tools. They're constantly investing in different tools. They're constantly talking. Um, I don't mean to tell you your business, but that's a huge opportunity. How do we get those, I feel? And isn't it easy to install on, on my site? It, it is. And I think, you know, for someone like you, it, you know, you just drop it on there. When you're at, you know, a site where you have hundreds of developers working on it, there's a lot more oversight onto what you can install. Developers mm -hmm. want to make sure it's not slowing down the site and it right. works with their stack. So developers, I think you definitely, we make sure the marketer, the product manager is involved, but the developer, you know, is just as important to us. All right. Let's close it out with this. What are you doing for fun when you're not working? Um, well, we just got a, a Labrador puppy. So usually trying to teach him Frisbee and, uh, you know, he's kind of the priority number one in the household now. And, and I've shifted to number three. Um, doing a lot of cooking as well. So, um, you know, setting up the fire alarm. Now you're doing it yourself? Doing it myself, trying, uh, yeah, trying some concoctions and, uh, recipes here. 
What do you mean? Just looking online for a recipe and trying to copy it? So there's a, um, there's a food person, Kenji Lopez all where his thing is basically, how do you make the perfect version of X? So ah, he, uh -huh. he'll, he'll come up with, he'll test, you know, a hundred different hamburger recipes and find the very best way to make the hamburger. So have, you know, usually it involves like a seven day process to make the hamburger, but. And um, so you're going through yeah. the seven day process, J Kenji Lopez alt. Is that the guy? Yeah. I think he, he runs the thing called the food lab, I believe, or okay. he's involved in that. And, um, yeah, I, so there's not much more to do in quarantine beside those types of projects. So that's been my, that's been my pastime. Wow. We, yeah, I see it. You know what? I feel like Blue Apron is the gateway drug to this. I signed up Blue Apron out of curiosity and I just wanted to get my head off of like anything else that was going on in my life. And then I started Googling and YouTubing and trying different things and picking it up. I like that, that ABC process makes you want to care about what happens uh, with D, E, and Z, you know, just keep going and keep going. So what have you made? Is it pizza? It looks like he's big on pizza. Am I right? Is it a burger? What'd you make that yeah, was perfect? I I, um, I made a version of the In-N-Out burger at oh. home that was amazing. So really? like homemade it compared? bun. It compared, yeah, homemade bun, you know, kind of that same type of buttery bun they make, um, like super thin patties, amazing cheese, the, that, that sauce they use. Um, you can't get that in Boston where you are. Oh, that would be ideal. That's the problem, yeah. You know, we have Shake Shack here, which just doesn't you hold a candle to In-N-Out, so... You know, it's still not the same as you drive in and you know, get the in and out, but you know, for for East Coast, it uh, it's it, it it serves its purpose. Yeah, you know what? I gave up meat. I allow myself to have meat when I travel outside the country, and I realize I could just about get anything when I'm outside the country. Except there's no great pastrami anywhere else, and there's no in and out burger. And so those are the two things that I feel like ah, oh, I missed out. Maybe I make an exception for that. It's that good. There's no impossible burger yet at In N Out that they're No, I don't I don't see them going to that. They just don't they don't have it in them. I went for their veggie option and it's just a grilled cheese. I said, okay, grilled cheese from them would be good. Nope, grilled cheese just means the same bun with a slice of cheese in the middle. They got their thing. They're not really getting away from it too much. I will say this Beyond Meat, oh, those the Beyond Meat yeah. burger is so freaking good. I know it can't be as healthy as, as people think it is, but it's just amazing. Uh, yeah, that is the future. I could see 10 years in and out. That's all they do. You know, 10, too. 20 years. Maybe not in and out. They're not changing Jack, right? They're still family owned. You still see those people cut those uh, potatoes by hand. I kind of admire that about them. But I could see, you see McDonald's now team up with Beyond Meat. They're going to make their lean Beyond Burger, whatever that's called. Yeah. And let's see what capitalism does if that becomes the standard. In and out may be forced to that's adapt. what they believe, that, right? There's this movement yeah. that thinks that this is going to be the real thing and then burgers are going to be this specialty thing that you go for occasionally. All right, let's come back to this. Log Rocket, it is used by... I had this whole list of companies that, you, that are using you. It's Reddit is using you guys, right? Yep, That's they, huge. Yeah, on the ads platform, I believe. I see uh, from your site, Airbnb, so many others. Uh, tons of companies are already using it and they've got a free option, which I'm, I'm surprised... Go check them out at logrocket.com. And of course, I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first will host your website, right? It's called HostGator. Check them out at hostgator.com slash Mixergy. And the second one is a place you go when you're hiring developers. Go to toptal.com slash Mixergy. Matt, thanks so much. Thanks, Andrew.